Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello, everyone, and welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley. And I'm Max Peterson. And if you guys made it all the way through all three parts of Straw Dogs, we're gonna we're in a new month. We're gonna lighten things right up for mm-hmm. you. So, a little heavy, so. Yeah, got a little heavy with Straw Dogs. So welcome to November. It's, uh, we're actually doing a whole month of Michael Fassbender. Which we tried to do once before, and this was the month that tanked our, yeah, our show sure originally. Uh, so we're doing a whole month focusing on Michael Fassbender, films that Michael Fassbender's in. Three of them, he's the star. One of them, the one we're covering today, he's actually more of a peripheral character, but the mm-hmm. performance is so strong, we yep. decided to include it. So let's lighten things up with 2013's 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, Carl and I talked about this. When we were planning these seasons out, we didn't really think too hard no. about how difficult it would be to watch a bunch of incredibly heavy movies back to back to right, back. Right, because when you're originally talking about the show and building the season right. and you're, we're literally just thinking of like the best movies that we at that time like, to put into those slots. Like, right. oh my god, Steve McQueen, amazing director. Did you know that he, did Michael Fassbender was in three of his movies? Right. And then, so well, if we do uh, a Fassbender yeah. month, and so you're just, it's a conversation. It's not like we sat down at a table and, and it was like, all right, so if we have four uh, documentaries in a row, we can't possibly follow that up. With right. Something. And we didn't think about tone, no tone either, where it was like balancing out the season. Yeah. And, and also, it's a fun conversation where you sit down and you're like, oh, it's movies. We're going to watch movies. But you don't think about, like, when you watch Straw Dogs, mm-hmm. that affects you. And then when you stack 12 Years a Slave right after it, right. Like, and something that I didn't realize is a side effect of, of doing this show is <clears throat> watching movies differently than I ever mm-hmm. have before. As soon as yeah. I pull out the legal pad and the pen, yeah, like everything changes. And then so now I've got this different switch in my brain of how I watch a movie, right? And with that information now, that will inform how the seasons lay out. Yes. De- oh, definitely. Like season two, we picked. Season one, I, I'm glad we did it this way because season mm-hmm. one has a lot of heavy, really nuanced, like truly powerful films. And then we realized as we were doing the episodes that some of the most fun that we have is when we watch like okay movies or right. shit movies yeah. or like weird genre movies. Yes. So season two is stacked more toward more toward an, uh, with an eye more toward like fun shit. Yeah. And then more like indie fun, indie of. fun, and then a lot of art yeah. like art house stuff right on mic. That was terrible. Jeez, that was awesome. Ugh, couldn't help it. Okay, so. Now that said, we I, we did want to give a caveat because it is another like this episode is not going to be like a big laugh riot, no. but <clears throat> but there is a reason we picked this movie. Yes, this movie is like incredible, it, absolutely. I mean, we stunning. said it during Straw Dogs. We said, I mean, I feel like I say the word masterpiece a lot when we're talking about certain movies like yeah. this. But there's a reason why because movies like this exist outside of like it transcends like. The ninety nine percent of other films and filmmaker film filmmakers like Steve McQueen are so there's so few of them. Right. Now. I actually I had a weird moment uh, where I was watching this movie and I because I've always the I think it's pretty well established on the show that Jim Jarmusch is my favorite yeah, director. Yeah, absolutely. But watching this movie, I remembered 
because Steve McQueen has only directed four films. Right. Period. The fourth one is coming out this month mm-hmm. or in November. In November. It comes right. November sixteenth. It's called Widows. It's his fourth film. So I we're gonna w- see that in the theater. Yeah, for sure. Seriously. So we're watching all three of his movies this month. All three of his movies with Michael Fassbender this mm-hmm. month. And watching it, I realized like. I think Steve, if Steve McQueen, I think Jim Jarmusch is definitely my favorite director, mm-hmm. but Steve McQueen is like the tightest number two you've ever seen. Wow. Because this is my only, this is my introduction to Steve McQueen yes. as, a, as yeah. a director. I've never seen anything else of his. So <laughs> I'm going to run through the cast and then I want to talk about a really unique dynamic that this this film and the three films we're going to watch has. But okay, so it's directed by Steve McQueen and there's the cast is huge. The cast yeah. is really huge, but the some of the here's most of the main players. We have Chiwetel Ejiofor, Lupita Nyong'o, Michael Fassbender, Benedict Cumberbatch, Brad Pitt, Sarah Paulson, Alfred Woodward or Woodard is her last name. I, she's on one of those uh, DC shows. I yeah. think she plays I think she's in Arrow. She plays um the the head of that CIA black oh, ops operation, yes, yes, yes. but she pops yep. up for a brief moment. She her her bit is really cool, uh, and then we have Paul Giamatti and Paul Dano. Uh, we've seen Paul Dano. We've seen him two times before. Yes. Both in season zero, we saw him in Prisoners, and we saw him in There Will Be Blood, and we're definitely going to talk about his performance. Yeah, today. Sure are. Okay, so here now there is a unique uh, this the screenplay is by John Ridley, but there's a unique something unique about Steve McQueen's first three films. He worked. Steve McQueen has a really unique um, directing sensibility, and he pairs it. He pairs, I think, I think perfectly with this parti- one particular cinematographer named Sean Bobbitt, who he used for all three of the films we're going to watch. So while we're watching Michael Fassbender, we're also going to see a triptych of films that have a sort of weird, not weird, a sort of beautiful stylistic consistency to them. Uh, I'm sure you noticed in 12 Years a Slave, you get uh, you get introduced to the Steve McQueen long take where we watch. He'll he'll show us something and then let us watch it. And then right when you expect him to cut, he'll keep showing you. Yeah, there's a lot of st- there's, there's a lot of that. There's one but... scene in particular that is uh, I'm going to vamp while you sneeze, but no, there's okay. it's not there. There's uh there's one scene in particular that everyone talks about as far as the long take, which I'm sure you know immediately mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. and We'll get to it. But there's other moments, too. Like moments when, and I will, I'll try and hit him as we go, but like right. moments when some, a character will say something to another character and then leave. And then rather than cut, you linger s- on the reaction of the person that's left with what they've just, what said. They've just said, or you'll yes. watch if you're watching someone like eat a meal in your head, you know, like the, you've seen, we've, you and I have seen enough movies yeah. that you put the, you could put the cut point in, in your head. You're like, he's been eating for three All seconds. Right, and there no, it is. Nope. And rather than three, you'll get 16. Yes. And something about that extra time. It settles you into this, the reality of it all, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because now you're sitting on the porch with him, in a way. It, it, I think it accomplishes a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, of course, uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a really big Steve McQueen fan. My first film I saw of his was Shame, and mm-hmm. it blew me so far out of the water that I've never and gone I, back in. Wow. I'm just thinking about like doing things like that, extending shots longer than you're used to or cutting in unique ways. It is breaking and training your brain uh, yeah. differently. Yeah. So like this, it's it's subconsciously telling you this is a different movie than anything else that you've seen. Because we've all got patterns. We're right. ready for the cuts, and then when they don't that. happen, or ready, for, yeah, when they don't happen, your brain starts to like. Yeah, it jars you. It, it, jars it, it you doesn't a jar bit. you out of the movie, but it jars you out into of your it, comfort. Yeah, yeah, it jars you into the world of the movie yeah. because it's it portrays more realism. I've I've read a bunch of interviews with him, and one of my favorites, he talks. They talk about why do you use this long 
this long shot, this long mm-hmm. take. Cause there's a scene in shame that's like seven minutes or something, six minutes, seven minutes and they don't cut. So they're like, what, what's that about? And he's like, mm-hmm. well, a lot of filmmakers will tell, will use six shots to tell one story. And he's like, and that and often, cut, it, cut, 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 yeah. Cut, and he's yeah. like, oftentimes it works and it's right. cool. But he's like, for me, a lot of times what I, I try to do is tell six stories with one shot. And that's why he does the long take. And he does a lot of stick work, a lot of static angles. Yeah. But that's the beauty. I don't know how much is Steve McQueen and how much is Sean Bobbitt. Usually the, um, the cinematographer is really, really heavily involved in the look. Right, in the look of it. So Sean Bobbitt, if he's got, if he's going to put a camera on a stick, he's going to, a tripod. Tripod. You're going to find the, he, Sean finds the best, Sean. Yeah. You're going to have more for coffee later. Mr. Bobbitt has, he finds the one perfect angle that you could sit and watch something at. That could be a portrait. It's gorgeous. Right. It could be an empty scene with no people in it or populated, but sitting in a museum and looking at it. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about all three films. We're going to get dig into 12 Years a Slave now, but um, this, I don't, what what did you think? Personally, Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the most gorgeous films I've ever seen. The only cinematographer for me that rivals the eye of Sean Bobbitt is Roger Deakins. That's it. And I was I'm just a, looking I'm it up. I, I'm horrible nerd. because like Steven Spielberg is, I reckon, my favorite director. And a lot of that is because of the cinematographer that he's worked with in a lot of, of yeah. his earlier films. I wrote an article about this, actually. Yeah. He does. He uses a. He used the same cinematographer for, like I think it's like about half of his mm-hmm. work. So I've, I've, I think Jaws is probably one of the most beautiful films that I've ever seen. Okay. And this is right up there with... Like every frame of this movie, you you could just sit and look at. Yeah. And some of them you do while you're watching the movie. Often, you, yeah, they you let you look, look at, at yeah. what they're shooting. They don't. And it's, it's not, not just the the scenery or the the houses or the structures, or because we're in. We are in New Orleans for most of it. Uh, we. Or we're we're we down in the in New Orleans, but we're in the right, south. We're in the yeah, south. it's. I don't think it's super. So the large clear. plantations and the plantation houses and the weeping willows and like there's right. so much of that. The cotton fields, which are beautiful, the but cane fields, the which cane are beautiful, fields are beautiful as well. It's how, but the the costuming and everything in this is is perfect. A lot of times, my mom is a costumer, and a lot of times, like if you have a period piece in particular, sometimes you can tell like it was costumed. Right, like, you can tell that there was oh, okay. You know that the they were fitted for that thing. These this looks like they all woke up in these clothes. Right, and this is what they're wearing. The co- yeah, the costume. It doesn't feel. It's like so natural, remarkable, and remarkable that it blends in with everything else and adds to the overall beauty of what you're seeing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bert, Bert and I, this is, it's relevant. Bert right. and I, when every time we watch a horror movie, we rate the horror. Movie yeah, yeah, yeah. Based I on love a, your journal, by the way. Based on a series of criteria, and we only rate movies that we watch together. Mm-hmm. So I've seen like hundreds more that aren't in that book, but we had a problem with gore. Because we would watch these haunted house movies that have no gore at all in them, right. and they were getting docked because they didn't have gore in them. So what we we came we, now we have a specific discussion about gore, which is would the movie have been improved if With, there were more gore? I like that. Or is the movie perfect because it doesn't have gore? Because that way, like The Haunting of Hill House, has right. zero gore. Yeah. But if it was gory, it would be less. less. It would be lessened it would take by away it. From right. It. So I feel like that's how for me set design and costuming works. The absolute, you notice good costuming. Right. You don't notice great costuming. Exactly, and I didn't notice it at all. At all. I was, I was, it was, I was time traveling, and 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 yeah. having a a window into the past. God, this it's in the most 
part, real and that doesn't pull any punches. Part and, of the ugh. part of what makes it so immersive too mm-hmm. is the is this the shooting style of Sean Bobbitt and the directorial sensibility of Steve McQueen, where where it doesn't. It feels like, a, like, you know, if you think, if you sit and think about it, like in the movie, you're never thinking like, wow, this looks expensive. But a lot of the long shots and the shoulder cam work mm-hmm. and the, the like long single shots, a lot of that feels like it, it more immersive. Whereas a lot of cuts can distance you. And like, sometimes when if I start noticing cuts, I yeah. can't stop noticing them for about 10 minutes. In or like special effects yep. or trick shots or mm-hmm. huge crane shots or like the, long... the film nerd in my brain is like, ah, oh, that was a this. Yeah. It, it... Or, oh, unique. They used a. And you know Whatever. that you know that there's like a lighting crew there and all that stuff, but oh, it never absolutely. it never feels like a huge budget right. Hollywood flick. Right. And I think that's part of what makes it so real. Mm-hmm. It feels like basically like a time traveler went back and had a shoulder rig yeah. and was just filming. Exactly, it's amazing. He's like, oh my god, I can't believe. It. Like he's so shocked by like the one scene. Yeah, that he just can't move and is just filming it and can't look away. There's two. The time there's two yeah. scenes. Um. I know the first one you're talking about, but the second, the the one near the end, the soap, we'll get to it. Yeah, all this, mm, that's panning around the, I actually, I have to, I'm gonna right now, I'm just gonna read it, because I'd like, since we're kind of talking about it, we'll talk about it more, that whole scene, the the whipping scene, one shot. They didn't cut. I thought there was a couple blind cuts when they they went around the. I looked, man, and also I went and read some. I went because I was I was I was wasn't sure I wasn't mm-hmm. sure so I went and read some uh, like people some reviews they've interviewed uh, Lupita Nyong'o mm-hmm. and Steve McQueen and neither of them will say how they did it and then it's a, it's a there's a couple of David interesting Copperfield shit going on there, there's man. a couple of interesting um, interviews with people who cut film for a living editors and they're like if there are edit points in there. I, and they do this for a living in right. Hollywood. Yeah, They're yeah. like, there's edit points in there. I can't find them. So that's pretty amazing. I don't know. Well, I just know watching that scene is what what's happening is horrific. Yeah. And you, but also like the film nerd in my brain is like, how the fuck are they doing this? I didn't even notice until the last mm-hmm. couple seconds of that scene. And we'll talk about it when we get there. But yeah. like that's that is that gives you an idea of of what part of what I think makes this movie so effective. Yeah, the emotional immersion. You didn't have to do that in one take, but when you make it one take, you feel like you're there, mm-hmm. like you're walking around and looking that take, at things. Well, we'll talk about that. Take yeah. starts a long time before that. It does. It really does. Okay, so um, starting right off, speaking of long shots, mm-hmm. the first shot of the movie is uh, basically it's like an establishing shot of a group of slaves standing in a, a, a sugarcane yes. field, staring at. Like ju- either at us or just past yeah. us, and one of the things I love about that is rather than showing that shot and then cutting to the reverse, which is the the sugarcane the, man, yeah. the the on what do they call him, the overseer, the overseer or the slave master or the is it? Really the I don't think it's though. the it's not the master. Yeah, it's the um, it's the it's the overseer because right. he's showing them how to cut cane. Right, he's like, this is how you do it. This is how you cut. Here's off how the you top, yeah. Right? Here's how you cut cane. This is how this works. But I th- rather than just show us the shot in reverse shot, the first thing we see in a movie, which is in a lot of ways sort of like a really, truly brutal look mm-hmm. at slavery and that the the history of slavery in America and one man who's who starts free and is kidnapped. The whole plot is Solomon Northup is a free man in the north mm-hmm. who gets kidnapped, brought to the south, and made a slave for over a, over a decade, twelve years. Yep. But 
That is really interesting. The shot, that first shot of this movie is almost like in a weird in two, it's almost like an indictment in a way. The group we have a group of slaves standing and staring at the audience. Yep. Like, look. Look at us. Yep. <laughs> the first thing we want you to do is look at us. And it's immediately We'll talk about it right off the top because a lot of when this movie came out, a lot of there was a lot of talk about like white guilt and things like that, mm-hmm. like people going and seeing this, like and like not liking Steve McQueen because like how dare you rub my face in this because whatever. Right. Yeah. And it's like for one, put your big boy pants on and fucking like deal with it. Like, yeah. There are certain horrible things that happen in this country. Right. And there's a certain level of responsibility, and there's also certain not like my family wasn't here at that part particular point in time, but it doesn't matter. It's still yeah, this is a thing that happened to people. Yeah, like exactly. my family also wasn't in Germany during the Holocaust, but that doesn't mean that the Holocaust we, we, yeah. that I can ignore that that happened or to not feel like as an as a fellow human being, there isn't some group shared responsibility all as one Earthlings living on the planet. There's love, some sort of shared responsibility for that. the humanity of other people. Yeah, you know what I mean. A, that's a phenomenal way to look at it too, which is like, well, I didn't do that. Doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter. You're part of this whole. Yeah, people did that, and you're people a person. People did that, and you're a person. So look at this. Like this is this is worth. It's important to know that this is a thing that other people did to other people, and it informs your morality. Absolutely. And the other thing, yeah, because if you're if you're never exposed to this sort of thing, mm-hmm. it's it's because that's one of the, the arguments that I hate the most. It's like, well, like for instance, I could very easily. Well, I'm I'm La- mostly Latvian, Scottish, Danish. Yeah. My parents didn't come here. My, I think my grandfather, I'm like third generation here. Right. We weren't even around. Yeah. Like we didn't have slaves. We, right. didn't, we weren't slaves owner, owners. In fact, in Latvia, some really horrible shit that the Russians did to the Latvians. Like, there's some bad shit from my past that my family went through. Right. Right? Like gulags and shit like that. Yeah. But that's another horrible thing that happened. But I'm not going to, like, say, well, so yeah, I wasn't, uh, I had nothing to do with that. It right. doesn't matter. It's like, it's, there's still, we are all part of the same. And I think there is there is a there is a certain amount of of culpability because uh, yes we're all human we're mm-hmm. all people on the planet so it's important to look at things that happen to other people yes. on the planet but there is also something to be said for this you and I are both Americans yes. we're American citizens mm-hmm. and, and the, there's a history of America yeah like the country we live in now was founded on and built by in a in a huge way slavery yes so it's impossible to be like well yeah you i live i live in this country that was totally mm-hmm. like built on the backs of slaves but i didn't have anything to do with that i wasn't me that's not how that works no absolutely not we live here this is mm-hmm. something that we need to understand right. we need to understand our history because whether whether we came from here or not this is where we are now and this is part of yep. the story of of how our country came so to be so this first shot that group of slaves staring they they were looking at me yeah and i sort of whispered whispered to myself i'm sorry yeah it's, it's it didn't have anything to do with it but it was like you, it's to be yeah and and i guess like it's we, like let's figure this out we did it know? with yeah we did it with uh, with uh, straw dogs so we might as well do it here like right. to be yeah, to be totally honest there there is a large amount of guilt and shame that comes along with watching this movie yeah absolutely and it's it's the same guilt and shame that i feel when i watch Holocaust movies too. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not it's like not guilt oh, thing. like well, look what we did. It's it's a it's, it's a it's a horror at what we as humans are, are capable, capable of. of. Right. Where it's just like, it's not. It's that thing where you know your wife is like, I had a terrible day at work, and you're like, I'm sorry, you didn't make her have a terrible right. day at work, but you're but empathizing. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, 
there yeah you're you're right the other thing that i thought that first shot established or that that first shot accomplished was the first it it is it's it's a group of slaves looking at you like look at us it's an indictment Mm -hmm. but it's also remember us Mm-hmm. It's also like it. God, it's so important. It puts them front and center. Yep. It puts them in front of the the cane fields. It or actually they might be backed by a swamp at the in that first shot. I, think I don't it's remember. The cane field. Is it? Yeah, because yeah. they're they're out there. They're yeah. surrounded by green. The stalks of the. Yeah, I'm thinking of a shot later when mm-hmm. Paul Dano's introduced. But you're right. Yeah. yeah, they're they're in front of the cane field. So it's like. It's it's beautiful. This this first shot. This is the kind of movie that you can do this with, where you talk about. 10 seconds of footage for 10 minutes but so much of this movie and we'll actually see him accomplishing exactly what i'm talking about here in a second but for so much of like when you're in when you're in like high school history right in in my head this in like slavery exists in the fields Mm -hmm. as a as a body in your brain yeah from like history yeah yeah yeah. so like if you just in a way in a weird way if you're walking down the lane of american history the slaves are out there in the sugarcane. You know they're there, but you don't see them. And what Steve McQueen does in the first shot is he pulls them all out of the field and stands them in a row and makes you look at them. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yes, it is. And the reason that I think that that is textual, because we, I, I come from a, a literary criticism background, so you talk about in the text things that you bring to it as opposed to things that are right. textual. Yeah, yeah. I think in the film, the next shot we see after they he explains how to or the the overseer explains how to cut cane is the camera creeping through the field that that camera pushes through the sugar cane and it's leaves like right on the lens yep. pushing away it's like you walking through the field right and uh, i think it's beautiful because that shot is showing i think it's like the thesis for the film i think it's what steve i think it's like a thesis statement for steve mcqueen which is we are approaching this hidden part of american history as he pushes through yeah. the field and we we don't i don't think it's crane but we do come up and then we bake, basically break into a clearing where the the slaves have all cleared cleared out cane. the rest of it yeah and so we're pushing through this field of green and then boom this is the america you remember yeah the in the or in the, the field right. yeah and when we're in that field we're like here's the cane fields here's the cane fields and you know what here's who worked them yep and it comes comes up and over it's fucking gorgeous man um and then there's a it cuts to black at that point when we get the whoa yeah because this movie does jump around in time quite a bit it does and this is where we get or actually right up right off the top we get this is based on a true story Mm -hmm. and it is it is but it's not just it it, and it's based on it's based on a a story because you can't say slavery isn't a story but it's a story of this one man in the history of well that's what i that's what i mean is it's based on a book 12 years a slave by solomon northup it it is a a lot of the dialogue is taken directly from From his his account Yeah. yeah so like yes it is based on a true story but i also was thinking when i was looking at that this is based on a collective story too yes because we follow his story but as we go we get a we get a sense of so many other stories mm-hmm. um most maybe most heartbreakingly patsy at the end but uh so a lot the there's not much dialogue in the beginning other no, than no it's i got i had a real like um there will be blood sort of like where it's very silent as far as just watching people working, watching, watching people, people working. Living. He's eating his food. He's trying to find ink for his paper. He sees he's, the blackberry juice. Yeah. That um that shot down at his meal. I it was hard for me to not just pause the movie every five seconds. I know. to write down like what a great shot. Yep. Here's what I'm looking he, at. He's rolling the berry juice around in his plate. Yeah, and discovering that. 
because you don't know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's he's like maybe I could use this for ink. Well, while it's he's amazing because it. you see it's two eggs, uh, like a, a like little a bit biscuit. of pork. Yeah, that's uh, the, like a belly. Like, yeah, it's like a little bit of like belly or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like cooked to death too. It's super dry. Yeah. But it's two eggs, a tiny bit of pork, and some blackberries. And he's he rolls around the um the juice mm-hmm. and he's like touching it with his fingers and kind of squeezing the berries. Then we see him carving a pen from a reed. And I wrote down because we're ostensibly here to talk about Michael Fassbender this month, mm-hmm. but there are two, there are three. Three performances in here. I'm sure there's more that I'll hit well, as our, I go. Our lead, our main character. This is Chutelagia for as Solomon Northup is one of, of the most incredible performances I've ever hands seen. Hands down, it's unbelievable. It ranks up there with it's like anything you've ever seen by like it's anyone. Fucking it incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely. Lawrence incredible. Olivier is looking down from wherever he is, going, oh, "That is quite the performance." There's. There's something about, and there's, I've noticed there's, for me, there's three different styles in this. It's not styles. They, uh, Chuatella Giafor, Lupita Nyongo, who plays Patsy, and Michael Fassbender, who plays Epps, the super brutal slave mm-hmm. owner, they all have a different, it's not like everyone is just acting. They no. all act in character. Like Lupita Nyongo's acting style, the, her style is so raw. She, the the emotions that are, she lets it all just mm-hmm. fly all over her face. It's there. Tears squirt out of her eyes at one point. It's, yeah, she, like. she is like complete, not complete surface emotion. She's not right. always like wailing and wailing and wailing, no. but she's, her, her emotions are so visceral and raw and, and abrading. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really, go- it's uncomfortable, but it's gorgeous and it's so impressive. She has no emotional shield. It's paper thin. So no. it's like. And then when you have Chuatella Giafor, you've got, I don't know if I'm hitting his last name exactly right, but that's basically it. Right. I think, because uh, he was in um, Serenity. Yeah, he was. He's, he's the, bad the guy bounty in hunter. Serenity. It's, I'm it's like, fucking I, awesome. He's great in everything he's in. He's been in a couple other things too, but I, I always love it when he pops up. Yeah, so he. He is like tr- he's doing this like trying to keep things on like a tight leash, but every once in a while stuff bubbles up in his face, yep. in his eyes, and his hands. It's amazing because it's that balloon getting so full, but it never pops. He just leaks air out of it. Yeah, and it's the mo- you can see it in every part of him. Right, that emotional like burying all of that. And packing it down because he has to survive. I and what I like about Fastbender seeps out of his face, like yeah. Oh, in in uh, him and his is like it's like a pot that's about to boil, yes. and you can <laughs> see you can see the surface mm-hmm. ripple, but you never see bubbles right. until the end. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple times where he gets really raw, but um, and then with Fastbender's performance, and this is what I love is three different acting styles, and personally. I couldn't tell you which of the three. Like, it's not like, well, he was the best and she oh, was the no, best. Oh, no, not but at all. That's in not, their own way. You have, don't play that game with this movie. No, you have, yeah. and you have three master performances in this. Yes. It's like three of the best you've ever seen. Actually, the only performance that takes me out Eliza? at all. Well, the two. Who takes you out? Brad Pitt and. Yeah, okay, Eliza and Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt kind of is like hitting a note somewhere between like Amish person yeah. and uh, Inglorious right. Bastards. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, a weird thing. He's sort of that. I don't know. Hey, we'll get to it, but yeah. And also, there's a. I will defend his. Perf- I'll I'll defend his appearance in the film. Well, he's a producer on it. 
Let's do it. Let's do it right now. All right. The, the, a lot of people criticized Brad Pitt for popping into a movie that he's the executive producer of, right. and his production company put out the film. Yes. But, to be fair, having his name attached allowed Steve McQueen to cast Chiwetel Ejiofor, who at the time was an unknown. Right. Fair enough. He was able to, having Brad uh, Pitt that's, in... Yeah. So, I, I, I agree. His performance is not one of the shining stars of this movie there's a few weak points Mm -hmm. like it's it's a this movie's this is the third time i've seen this and this is a hard movie to spin more than once i love this movie eliza is a definite weak point and brad pitt's performance is a definite weak point but i admire the fact that he appeared in the film and did so much to allow steve mcqueen the the latitude yeah the uh what's that's not the right word but they he had a lot of they gave him freedom. much more freedom yeah. than he would have had because Brad Pitt is was the in, big name actor who and appears. And then you have it. Benedict Cumberbatch, who was good. Also, you didn't? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Oh, so big names, have, big names. The big names are in the smaller roles. Like Paul Giamatti is only in it for a for a couple of scenes. Also good. Fantastic. I'm a huge Paul, Paul Giamatti fan. This in was the first place. This is a really in startling performance I mean, for he, him. He has a hard neighbor come out like right at the top. I think oftentimes too. Yeah. Like he does, he hits it hard several times. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, oh, for yeah, those of you right. who haven't listened to the show before, we're gonna we're using measuring flicks neighbor rule, which is to avoid saying the n-word but to get the correct uh sound so that we can do dialogue properly we're mm-hmm. going to substitute the term neighbor right because i refuse to say the actual word yeah we we did a black exploitation month a yep. couple months ago and we <laughs> we had to figure out how to like, make how it do work. we how do we tiptoe around this right, right so that's that's how we do it on measuring flicks so yeah so you're right a lot of the they put a lot of big names in smaller roles even michael fassbender is only in like the last eh, he's in like in about last, half of the yeah, movie yeah about half but even then he's only in he pops in and out right which is fan- so you can it's, just sit with it's perfect these other amazing it's per- they don't yeah. overuse him Mm-mm. um oh wow he has some really incredible performance bits um so w- back to when he because we see a couple scenes happen twice to ground us in time where we are so right. one of the first things we see is solomon northup trying to carve a pen to write with and then the ink that he's made is just bullshit it's, yeah it doesn't even it's like raggedy it's, crap yep, it's runny and just to be able to fucking write man that first this uh, is one of my favorite bits because it's kind of our introduction to his character mostly we've just seen him working in the field kind of stony faced but to see frustration as the ink falls to shit and the pen's not good enough and the paper's soaking up all this to see like frustration melt into despair yeah oh we've one of my favorite we've talked about it on a lot of shows when an actor can seamlessly slide you through a series of emotions without the hard weird breaks where where emotions subtly morph into other emotions and you only realize it's like what's you're happened slowly mushing the play-doh into a different thing until you suddenly see it's the shape that it shape is of it. yeah, yeah. God, it's, it's just amazing it's incredible and th- there are two two performances do this really well uh with uh patsy mm-hmm. lupita nyong'o plays patsy michael fassbender plays epps um so with patsy the beauty of her performance for me is you don't have an oscillation or vacillation no. or morphing between emotions. Nope. It's just it's popped on. All of the emotions yes. that are in her are right there. Yep. She's, all like at you the said, same she's time. She's completely raw. It's crazy. You can see like anger, fear, hope, shame, disgust, all, all on there. her face, all at yes. once. Fastbender, he is the master of the micro subtle 
adjustments. Mm-hmm. But like I've never seen anything like Lupita Nyong'o. It's it's everything in her heart is on her face. Yeah. All at the same time, and you're like, I don't even know what How to did, do with this. What did she? Oh my god. Um. So yeah, there's there's a, another scene we see twice because this actually happens. The opening scene of this movie happens fairly late in the timeline the of time this line? movie. Yes. There's a really, but I think it's a it's an awesome choice because we see him failing to write this letter, and then we see him, the basically we see the scene where the woman next to him she wakes up she and wakes she, up and tries to but she try, I think she's trying to like initiate sex yes and she's so not he's responding really but he's not turning her down nope, I think that's sure important isn't. she grabs his hand and puts it on her breast and like rubs her breast with his hand and then she pushes his hand down to right. her crotch and basically gets herself off right. using his hand while staring into his eyes. I found that scene to be so like there's a lot sad. going there's on. A lot going there's on. a lot going on in that scene cuz it's you're right. It is absolutely it's heartbreaking. It's it's two human beings that are trying well she's trying to find some sort of comfort, in a way in a comfort connection and like connection with another human being. There and then she cries after. So much of this just movie like broke me right off the beginning. Yeah, it, so much of this movie lives in like this bleak, hard mm-hmm. place. Yes, and there are little moments, the little moments where, where like oftentimes it's slaves trying to snatch a little bit of comfort from each other. Living. Yeah, yeah. There's to, to to grasp onto some sort of life. There's a great line early on when. Um, he says when Solomon says, "I don't want to survive. I, I want to live. live." Absolutely, that's one of my favorite lines in this whole movie, and that is kind of the point of this scene. Yep, absolutely. Which is like they're they're all laying on the ground. They're on the floor, the hardwood yeah. floor. They're on the they're on a hardwood shackled uh, to the floor, I think. Or are, no, they're, they're not they're shackled not when point, they right. sleep, but yeah, because we see later though. Yeah, so he they're all like just laying on a hard floor, no beds, packed, like packed in next to each like, other. Yeah, and. They're trying. This woman is trying to grasp just one moment of escape, escape from this pleasure, situation. some sort of joy. Connection. I'm not even positive it's pleasure, but I don't. Well, yeah. Like I said, it's there, so much something. of this movie is feel something indefinable. Yeah, what, yeah. What they deal with everything. It's a moment. She's seeking like one moment's mm-hmm. respite from this hell that they're living in, and I think this is also. Uh, I, I love that he goes along with it. He he knows his he understands her need. Yeah. He understands what she's doing and why. But he will not violate his promise, his to, promise his to his wife. And I love that. Yeah, because it's it's man, it's a really it's a fine line. It's a it's a He thing. does still have a look of, of, of guilt on his face after. I didn't think so. I did, yeah. I thought I thought his For me I read, I read as a little bit maybe not guilt, more of I again that sort of this is this is my lot, life right now. A lot of what's accomplished is really subtle. So it's not yeah. like, I am guilty. No, not what, at all. What I, I think a lot of, again, maybe it's that test takers, um, test takers bias. bias where I'm bringing. What I saw to, what I saw in that performance, she, she gets herself off and turns away from him and starts to cry. And what I saw on his face wasn't like, Ooh, I shouldn't have. Right. I, I didn't see guilt. What I saw was just like a like a survivor's understanding okay where he's like where he rolls over and he's just he's not i don't think he feels guilty about what just happened he feels so sad that it needed to happen fair enough yeah where he's just like i like i understand what she did and i would never take that away from her right but but also it's so horrible that that 
needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah. That, and that, that was worse for me where it's yeah. like, it's not even a guilt or morality thing because there's, they're all very, most of the people we're introduced to actually most of the white people we're introduced to <laughs> are just like amoral fucks. And almost all of the slaves we're introduced to are like highly moral and very loyal to each other mm-hmm. or as loyal as they are able, able to, to be. be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it morality didn't even come into it. This like this idea of like, well, we're not wedded in the eyes of the Lord. It was just like this right. is something we need to do to survive. Yeah, Carl is double double fisting coffee this morning. <laughs> <laughs> he just finished one and started on two. Um, so there's two other things about that particular scene that lead into the next scene. This is an ex- another example of uh, of Bobbitt and McQueen's unblinking eye. There or the so we're shooting a bird's eye view straight down on uh, Solomon and this other woman who I don't think is ever identified. They're laying sideways, so horizontal, with their heads on the right hand side of your screen and their feet off screen to the left. So they're laying flat that way. Yep. And we just watch straight down without cutting throughout the whole sequence of her rolling over, taking his hand, trying to kiss him. Or I think she does she kisses him takes his hand does the, the whole thing then rolling away mm-hmm. is all one shot overhead the next shot is a bird's eye view of Solomon and his wife in bed but they're oriented the up way. and down mm-hmm. with their heads at the top and their feet off screen down below so it's it's like it's this visual representation of what his his how his life has gone sideways how things yes. have been turned yep they're askew they're not yeah the, his his correctly. world is askew and then yeah. that 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 because it's it's a match cut mm-hmm. it's the same distance it's the same focal distance it's the yep. same it's just the the orientation the orientation is the only thing that's changed it's it's amazing how close the two shots mm-hmm. are to each other just boop rotated because it was such so that I was like a little bit I love how the time jumps are sometimes a little bit confusing at first i'm not really sure where i am but the storytelling is so masterful that you don't you don't you don't stay in that zone of well where am i very long right you you very much understand and also kind of like the fact that i'm left a little bit uncertain of where i am it keeps you off balance it keeps you off kilter and actually there's another device that he uses device seems like a cheap way to say it but there's there's there is another um there's another artistic choice that's repeatedly made that accomplishes the same thing keeping you off kilter where it's and it's beautiful and i'm going to just i'm going to credit it to to sean bobbitt Mm -hmm. i'm sure they're both super involved but it's more of a camera thing than a directing thing but there's sometimes a shot will start and you have no idea what you're looking at. Zero clue. It's just like, like what the fuck am I? It's just at like here? light and shadow and like texture, and you're like, I literally cannot pick out what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And then something moves. But it's it's not frustrating. It's no. more like the curiosity. In the yeah. hands of a lesser cinematographer or director, it would be frustrating to me. Like, right? I don't know what this thing is. What am I looking at here? Movie, movie, movie. What am I looking at here? So I, I have a this note. This is more like. It's drawing you in in a weird sort of way. Yeah, I I have a note. It it's like three pages in, right. no, but but uh, McQueen and Bobbitt have like this this keen eye mm-hmm. for textures. There's a ton of shots. I have notes all over the place, but they will shoot like grass, or they'll shoot like a particular tree, and they'll I've shoot. I've never seen a cotton bud look as it does in this movie. Like yeah, they there's there's something about 
conveying texture to the viewer that they managed to do better than anyone. Mm-hmm. Any I've never seen a film that is so that translates texture visually to you yes. so perfectly. And they also have a really keen sense of how light and shadow work and how they work together mm-hmm. and how they can be used to to not to trick you, but how they can be used to rock you back on your heels and make because there's the scene when we'll get to it eventually and talk about it deep but the first scene when Solomon Kane wakes up after that night of drinking when he wakes up in shackles oh yes there's like they show you a shot and like we just were saying you have literally no idea what you're seeing it's just black and white it's black and white and it's a shape that you cannot cannot at all fathom yes and then Solomon moves and you realize oh, he, that's a person. It's a person and he's in a shaft of light that's hitting him in such a strange way that it completely it's amazing. If you watch the movie, when you get to that scene, you're looking at and the other the other beautiful thing is combined with McQueen's long gaze. We're looking at it for like 10 seconds mm-hmm. and I'm like what is this? For the whole time, yeah. the whole time, that whole 10 seconds, I'm like I cannot figure out what this is. I don't Oh, it's Solomon. It's a person. It's Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's they accomplish some really just from a purely visual pers- mm-hmm. standpoint. They accomplish some unparalleled things in this movie. It's like I've never seen a movie like. Well, I've seen two other movies like right, this, yeah. and we're gonna <laughs> we're watch, gonna them, watch them. them. But it's it's stunning. Yeah. It's stunning. I oh I absolutely love how this movie looks. Um, so like one of the things it's not necessarily a texture thing, but it's a small detail thing. When we cut back uh, and see Solomon and his wife in bed, the next thing we see, I believe, is Solomon getting a violin string in the mail. Yes. Oh, my God. The stringing up that violin is one of the coolest yeah. sounding. Yeah. Actually. It's almost like the violin is going to break. Like the tension. To get guitar nerdy on you. Yeah. Old style tuners, like the ones on my Dan Electro, make that sound when you string them. They're like. Because they're a little sticky. Yeah. It's such a pleasant sound, but it's also, I get a little tense. I'm like. Either he's going to break the string or the neck on the violin is going to snap. Dude, anyone who's like, ever strung a guitar knows that fear, oh especially when you get to the high E. You're like, yeah. this is going to break. It's going to hit me in the eye. Yeah, everything is going <laughs> to fucking break right now. It's terrifying. Yeah. Stringing a guitar is le- legit terrifying. But one of the things I love about the, the scene where he strings the guitar is there are there are like five views there are like five viewpoints like uh povs or whatever shots there's five shots that you expect to see as he strings the guitar and you don't see a single one of them like the close-up on the the finger twisting it the like what yeah it's like it's like okay when uh a script Right. Character strings guitar. Right. The cinematographer's like, well, I'm going to shoot a, uh, an establishing shot of the of the or of the violin. Right. Shoot an establishing shot of the violin. Yep. We're going to see him wrapping the peg, or wrapping wrapping and twisting, and then we're going to see him fit Holding it to his it. neck. Yep. And in particular, I'm thinking like, I think of where the camera would be, what v- mm-hmm. angle we're going to pick. This is such a weird. They super close. Tight. It, everything is really tight. And one of the things that they that they do, which I, I I love the choice, but I never in a million years would have even conceived of doing it, which is as he's hitting the strings, we shoot below the violin, like up over the bridge. So you can see like a big the shots shouldn't make sense. Right. 
You're looking at the violin from very odd angles. Yes. Extremely close, and in a way so that it's not always immediately clear. And it's where not in you're... focus all the time either. Mm-mm. It, 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 you're not figuring out where you're, where the camera, where you're oriented. In relation to the violin is difficult like are you solomon are you well it's uh, like like it's like am i looking at the bridge right. oh this is the neck this yeah. is the this is the neck and then you're in a new shot and you're like i think we're oh we're under we're under the body looking at the bridge from the neck side mm-hmm. it's the, the angles it's it's hard to explain. This is one of those moments where if we had a blog i'd be posting, be posting pictures, pictures yeah. and breaking down the shots but I love that about this movie, which is this is a movie that you connect to on such a visceral emotional level. This is a heart rending movie. Yes. And there are only there are very few moments that ease off the tension for a second. But it's also a movie that cinephiles or like film nerds can really get excited about. I drool all over this movie. It's amazing. It looks so good and the choices are so unique. It feels like it feels like Hollywood gave an auteur director money to make an art film. Yeah. Which is what they did essentially. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Basically that's what this movie is and that's part of why this movie's so 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 incredible. I'm really excited. His next movie. I'm in movie, the camp that Hollywood should probably do that more. More? Yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I love me that Avengers 4 just, just wrapped. Super, super fucking excited about that. Yeah. But, damn it, we need more of this. I agree. I agree. A lot and it's of- out there, but it's not... I don't know if it's the audience isn't there, but I think that it is. I'm not sure it is. But it's like think about it's how much set, money Transformers '96 oh, billion, made. A billion, a billion five dollars. Yeah, if if that's ah, a bummer. If money wasn't such a factor, I'm also if, not about yucking someone's yum either, man. It's like people dig Transformers. That's your jam. You watch your Transformers, man. Yeah, like, like I said, I don't. I will. I don't care. I won't right. go and see those movies. I just, movies. for me, I want to be able to see more movies like this. So I'm right. selfish in that regard. Right. <laughs> but the other thing, there is there is the Jim Jarmusch effect to take into, a, into account, yeah, which exactly. is when he, because he finances his own movies, he can do whatever he wants. Right. There is, there is no, no one, studio connection. There's no one being you. like, well, Jim, we need you to put in a naked woman at the 66 right, minute right. mark. There's none of that. Jim, have you ever seen Limits of Control? No, still on the list. Limits of Control is a movie that should not exist. There's very little dialogue. All the dialogue is totally like metaphorical and representational. There's almost no like actual conversation that happens. It's all all of the dialogue is meant to be working on like ten levels. Right. All every single shot here when you watch Limits of Control, keep an eye on the. On the movie because every frame has red in it somewhere. Like he did a full on, like intentionally dense art film. Wow. And it's like two and a quarter hours long. I'm in. I mean, I loved it, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm all saying right now, I didn't understand it. Well, fair enough. There's yeah. huge, there's huge <laughs> chunks of it that like only exist to no be. Idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and that's fine. It's part of the filmmaking. Yeah. Would have made it if he was a Hollywood director because they'd have been like, nah, you need some action. Nah, right. you need some. Or it just wouldn't have gotten made. They're like, would, yeah. we don't understand it this. Never is, no one's going to fucking watch this. Never would have gotten green. How about we got a book that came out two years? How about we do Mockingjay Part 4? And then that's yeah, what they do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And again, I I won't. I'm I not like, going to take Mockingjay 
part no, I'm anything not. away from anyone. No, actually, I, I've, read, I've read all the Hunger Games I haven't. books. And, yeah. I'm going to give them a pass. That was, <laughs> that was a dark but, time for me. <laughs> I was learning to I'd read lost, again. I'd lost my job. Right. And no, my, actually, I was. I was in between jobs in Baltimore, and I read the Hunger Games trilogy. That's how a lot of people find, I mean, there's a... I didn't want to read anything heavy, because there was like too much going on. I'm like, I, want, I need to fucking... I refuse to be derailed, but I get what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Um, God, Sorry, I want to I I tell a story, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stay on the movie. Um, we can tell and cut it. No, nah, we won't. That's fine. There's a... We will. There's a. <laughs> there's another podcast uh, that I used to listen to called James Bonding, and Matt Gorley, the co-host, he was like unemployed briefly. I think he like had lost his job, and rather than going to immediately get another job, he decided... Oh, I think it was also... He had just gotten out of a really bad relationship, and he's like, I'm going to take some me time. And he took like several months, and he rented a room like down by the coast, and he read every single James Bond novel in order. Start that sounds to finish. amazing. Yeah. And he would go, and I think he was he would like get a pint of Guinness or something. There was a drink. There was a beer he got every day. He would go get a beer and a sandwich and read a James Bond novel. Because you can read those in like two hours. Well, like, yeah. but he And he was a pretty slow reader, and it took him months to do it. But oh, awesome. That was his whole point, was he's like, I'm going to take some time, and I'm just going to totally, all I'm going to do is read James Bond novels and drink beer on the beach. I love that. And that's what he did, because yeah. he was in like this rough patch, and... You're yeah. not going to read War and Peace or the no, entire Steinbeck. I think you come to interesting art in times when you need it. Because, mm-hmm. like, when you're happy and things are good, like, you don't go looking for, like, weird... Like, the weird art house movies don't speak to you quite so much when you're... Everything's fine. Right. I don't know. I think sometimes artistic people need to be hungry, and I think sometimes artistic people need to be uncomfortable yep. to find. And I think sometimes their we art. create our own uncomfort to get back into that space that's weirdly comfortable. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So, back to Twelve Years a Slave. Yes. Um. After he strings the violin, he goes and plays a party. And, and I wasn't sure whether or not he was a slave playing. I, it's not clear that he's a free person except for the fact that oh, he's tucking I've, his kids away into bed. Or I think it's, for me, it was pretty well established because okay. he ordered a violin string through the mail. Oh, okay. So he can, he's like, he can read and write. He can play violin. He's with his it wife. It is all there for you. It and was, it's in a bed. Yeah, he's in a night like a nice bed with his wife. He's putting his kids away or putting his kids away. He's putting his kids to bed in like oh, a house. Oh no, no, that house. was sorry. Yeah, that was all very clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of earlier. Sorry. No, that's fine. So but no, it's very like, oh, this is There's two things that I really like in this scene when he's playing at the party. Mm-hmm. We watch the party, watch the party, watch the party. We hear this music. So just like when we're pushing the camera through the cane fields and then we see the slaves. It's like, here's the field, here's the field. You mm-hmm. know about the field. Here's the behind the scenes. Right. Here's the thing you don't want to look at. We see the party and we're like, look at this lovely party. Listen to this Everyone's lovely Everyone's all music. dressed beautifully. And you, and you hear the music and then you pan over and it's like, but don't forget, this guy is playing. But I love the fact that Steve McQueen keeps him unseen. Yes. There's, t- there's a lot in this movie where p- things are hidden or mm-hmm. things are hidden and then revealed or things are made hidden the next scene is him putting his kids to bed and when uh when solomon comes in and blows out the candles in his children's room which my note is the sound design of him blowing oh, out those candles Jesus. is amazing it's yeah. like yeah it's fucking amazing um but then he closes the door he's like all right go to bed no more la- like go to bed now and he closes the door 
and we don't cut. We stay on stay the on door. Stay on the dark room of the door. Yeah. Yeah. So the lights go out and he leaves. So he's the kids have like been put in dark into darkness, and he closes the door, and we stay on the door, and we hear them laugh, but we can't see them because mm-hmm. it's kids playing. Like it, the night, the night, night teehees and shit. Yeah, and I, I, again, this is this is something I think I am bringing to the movie because there's, like, it's the, I feel like this is the the purpose for me when I watch this movie. I feel like this is something that was going through all of the creatives' heads as they were building this movie. But they're there, but we can't see them. Mm-hmm. The children are there and they're laughing. You can't see them, though. but they're yeah, they're closed behind this door, and again and again and again. Later on, once he be once he's kidnapped and becomes a slave, a lot of what we see is only the behind the scenes, and we don't see the day to day of the plantation. Right, we just exactly. because that's not the story. The story is him. But like early on, a lot is, is there's a lot of shots and scenes that establish the hidden nature of this. And I think in a lot of ways, this is kind of the a part of American history that has been, been hidden away, hidden, absolutely swept yeah, under the rug in I'm, a sort of way. I'm sure you know about not in a sort of way, in a very real, sense. in a very yeah, in a in an undeniable sense. Right. I'm sure you know about the um, the textbooks, the rules. I don't know how accurate this is anymore, but in 2014, 2015, removing certain things from history. Books there's or? a well, almost all of America's textbooks are printed in Texas. That's there's like three places that do textbooks, and most of them come from Texas. And there's a dictum for people who write history books for high school, in okay. particular high school. I'm talking about for for textbooks. But I was learning in one of my American history classes in college that there's a rule that you can't have, you can't use the word slave more than a certain number of times, and it's really low. It's like 15 in the whole book. In the entire in the entire book, and you can't have more than. Uh, uh, it's like less than 20 or I think it's less than 10 paragraphs on slavery in the book in its entirety. Jesus. How much did you learn about slavery in high school? Honestly, I think we probably covered it for a couple of days. It was barely a section. I don't think we even touched it. Was it. Like an, no, in, we did. I we definitely remember us, in, us covering it. In, in my in high good, school, yeah. I, I remember But like, I was going to high school about 10 years before you. Yeah. Too. So I may have yeah. had... I was in high school in like 20, 20 2004, yeah, 2005. Yeah, I graduated in 95. So, yeah. So in 2005-6, when I was 16, we I don't really remember covering slavery. Yeah, we covered it. We covered other stuff a lot more. Like have you ever it's like Civil War Revolution, that sort of thing, but slavery was And you know what's Underground Railroad, up? Harriet Tubman, like that stuff we covered, but I feel like I it was I learned about only that in English. Fuck no, it wasn't even history class. It was English class. Yeah, because you're, you're absolutely fucking right. Yeah, I learned about all that shit in English cuz that's what my English teacher had us do. She, actually, maybe that was intentional because she was married to the history professor. But anyway, yeah, in history, we talked about the Civil War for like months, and I don't really remember. They didn't talk about the like, talk black about the, militias and stuff like that at all. Well, here's what I mean. Or slavery. Or I maybe my high school is like particularly fucked up. But like, <laughs> but like that's cool. I don't remember. I remember talking about the Civil War a lot, and I think the fact that it was mostly about slavery mm-hmm. was kind of like and here's let's talk about the war here's the dates you here's the generals you hear about Lincoln and the and emancipation all, and proclamation right, right, right. but like when we were talking about it in high school it was like we were talking about this big war and all the white people who were fighting this big war but like I don't even I think it was maybe mentioned casually mm-hmm. that it's like and the war was about like how half the United States was enslaved 
Right. Like they fucking brushed. You know about the North and the South and the Mason Dixon line and like that sort of thing. You know the dates, you know, like, and here's the Battle of Antietam. And you're like, wait, none of this really fucking matters because why did this war start? And they're like, well, the war started because slaves. Because plantation owners didn't want to get rid of their slaves. Yeah, this is. I think part of why they do it is it's so uncomfortable and it's so. It's such a glaring. You know, rah rah, it's America, the best country in the world, but there's two. There's a lot, but there's. There's some very glaring, super horrible things involved in the beginning of the country. There's the genocide of the Native Americans. Yep. And then there's slavery. And they're like, you know what? We're just not going to talk about those things. How about we talk about how the founding fathers were all like super groovy and they fought back against Britain. It's like, no, we have to. We have <laughs> right. To, we've got to dig into this. Shit, I think this. Folks. I think yeah. that's why this movie so often hides people right. behind doors or puts them in darkness yep. so you can't. Because it's like. You know how you're hiding things? Yeah. And you're forgetting? As a society and a right. culture, that's what we do. We're like, ooh, that's really, a dis- that's uncomfortable to look at. <sighs> Put it behind closed doors. Um, Imagine the country, the world we live in, if we weren't afraid to look at our past and learn from it. Right? I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> what, Carl? I know. We need to get the word out. It's like it's no like, one's ever thought of that before. But equally, I mean, I'll say this. I don't agree with them taking down the statues of, um, like, Robert E. Lee and shit like that. Really? No, because it's important th- to remember. I mean, you don't want to immortalize Let's do them. Let's talk about this. All right? You don't want to immortalize, like... Because like I disagree. Pra- really? I, okay. I don't think As, they should be taken down and destroyed, but I right. do, I do think... We shouldn't have, like... I, I think know. that they should be... Okay, we're talking about the the. I don't know if this will be current. It will never be current forever. Right, never. But we're talking about uh, the Confederate statues to Confederate generals being right. taken down in the South. Right. This is a hot issue at the moment. It is, or was like six months ago, or almost a year or two. Yeah. Some people say that they should be taken down because those are basically. Those were the leaders of the South. The South, and the idea is that for people, for Black people living in the South, it's like it's having a reminder of like having a Hitler or it's like having statues to Hitler or yeah. Stalin is the argument. Is mm-hmm. that basically they walk around and these symbols of pro-slavery, right, people are who everywhere. are pro-slavery are everywhere and right. glorified. So it's like right. walking around under statues. No, I'm totally fine with that. The, the point I'm trying to make is like that's the beginning of erasing that part of history as well. You know what I mean? It's important to right. know the evil that existed. Or not as, I don't want to say evil, but I don't know. Evil. That, you know, evil oh, that we, existed. Can, right. Are we in agreement that slavery is evil? Oh, I'm come say, fuck completely. You know, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, so, here's <laughs> what, let me be completely clear. No, yeah. So I think a lot of people are saying tear them down, destroy them. But I, I think that, like, okay, images of Hitler mm-hmm. and Nazi flags, those don't belong in public, but they are history. Those belong in museums. Museum, yeah. So I say take those statues. Yeah, Indiana Jones them. Yeah, they those, belong in a museum because it's important to remember where we came from and to learn those. They're historic. Yeah, they are. They're historical. They're historical monuments. Right. But they're monuments in the in they're monuments to traitors. Yeah. And men who argued against equal rights humanity. and humanity. Period. So put them in a put them in a museum. Right. That's what I say. Like so that you can if you choose to look. And to learn, you can, but you don't have to walk past it every day on your lunch break. Yeah, exactly. If you're a black exactly. man or woman not a, or child living in America. It's not an oppressive public presence. I completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So, we're... Again, think, my point's more, it's like... 
I don't think they should be erased. Erased is you're right. Destroyed, erased. They Taking be, them down is fine. They yeah, should I mean, be put yeah. in context. Yes. The context is not like, look, here's a statue of a great man. It's like, here's a statue of a flawed man. Right. At, at its most generous. <laughs> yeah. At its absolute most generous. Here's a statue of a flawed man who was of his time and had some ideas that don't really work today anymore <laughs> or should its, have worked ever but and at did. its at its worst and personally for me maybe it's most honest here's a statue of an evil man or here's a statue mm-hmm. of a man who fought against everything that we stand for as a country right. now you take it down you take it down and you put it somewhere where people can look at it in context yeah this man fought against what we all are believe. supposed to believe in right. ostensibly believe in yes. but i don't know dude 2018 yeah. is 2018 is weird time weird times definitely um the next thing we see in the film in 12 years a slave the movie we're talking about no no (laughs) these are important conversations they are and and they're all so far i think they've all been relevant to the topic this is going to be yeah there's a lot of stuff that'll probably come up as we go so the next thing we see is that that shot of the white and blackness basically he he gets his wife goes away to she cooks for like a month or something mm-hmm. like that. She goes and cooks for a family for a month or two months and right. makes great money. Yeah, and comes back. They live in the north, so she's also in free. New York, I think. Yeah, she's a she she's a cook, and he they live in Saratoga, Saratoga, New York, mm-hmm. and he's a, a violin player. Yep. Like that's professional, all professional, amazing violinist. One thing I think is really interesting is we see him play the violin two ways. He plays it chin up. When he's playing at like the hoity-toity parties, when he's in New York and playing it professionally, but once he gets down south and it's he's like pl- he's, he's like a fiddle player at that. Yeah, point. he plays it like cocked in his arm like a fiddle, and his face is so. Mm-hmm. It's I, I thought that was a really interesting oh, yeah. choice I to have him right play like a play it fiddle style yep. down. It's just it's like he's de- nothing against fiddle players, but it's for him personally. I feel like his portrayal of playing it down like that is he's lowering himself. He's lowering himself, right? Um. So there's something really interesting that they do right here where, oh, he gets, I'm sorry, he gets offered a gig playing at like a, basically like a freak show is what it sounds like. It's like a circus. It's like Barnum and Bailey are putting their circus together and they need some musicians. The way they sell it to him is pretty fucked up though. Where it kind of like, is. They're like, and this is. We got a bearded man. We got a. Well, it's not even that. The, what messed with me, and this is from the movie. This isn't me. Basically mm-hmm. they come in and they're like. They're like we've got we've got black savages and dark yep. dark people from all over and there's weird colored freaks and he's yeah. they're like you play and you'll keep whatever you we will pay you a pound a, day, a shilling a day or whatever you keep it is. all of it yeah yeah so and he's like okay that I'll sounds do that. like a good idea and I think it's important to establish that at this moment he has the cognitive dissonance where he doesn't he's like well I'm a free man in the north and they're. He doesn't identify Identify that that's that, particular Yeah Yeah that this is exploitative Towards him Right Or towards like His entire race Or that this is just This is wrong mm-hmm. He has that He has a weird moment There's a weird moment In the beginning of the movie Where he almost like Because of his Social strata Because of his social status He doesn't equate himself with black uh, with people. black sla- or in slavery in particular. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's not. It's not that overt. It's not like right. he's some like weird. Oh no no no, not at all. But there is a. He doesn't. He doesn't object to it. In fact, he goes on tour with them and makes a fair amount of money. But then they're actually kidnappers. Once they get him out of New York. Yep. They get him to Washington. I think he's in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. They when, get him all drunk. They get him hammered drunk, and then he wakes up in chains. Yep. Which 
And now we're gonna get this is this is the first of the really hard this is the first of the really hard scenes. Um the chains that he wakes up in, first of all, those chains the the way they look, it's not like because we think of chains now. This is like that hand hammered chain. It's really and like kind of rusty. They look really brutal. Yeah. There's a brutal like cutting your skin to the chains, yeah. and then the light, the way that, the way that Bobbit and McQueen, um, show the light on them, and then again sound design because you your eyes are struggling to find something to look at because the room is so dark. You can kind of see him, and you can see the light shining on some of the chains, and when he pulls on them, the chain emerges from the blackness. To the wall and then mm. when he lets them fall It falls back into the dark It's a beautiful shot and the sound design of those Chains because it's echoing on sound all the Hard all brick this movie. Oh my God. Yes the sound is really really incredible Even the sound of like early In the movie with the machete hitting the Cane and then chopping the top yeah. off the cane It's the sound design is very it is, Everyone involved In this movie is on point the sound is crazy good So the two guys come In and they're like your name is Platt. You're from Georgia. You're a slave. And he's like, no, no my not. name is Solomon Northup. I'm from New York. You guys kidnapped me and I'm going to sue the shit out of you. Yep. And he's like, let's try this again. Your name's Platt. Your name's Platt. You're an escaped slave from Georgia. This is basic. I'm, yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you Look who in you my are. eyes. This is your last chance. That's who you are. Who are you? And he goes, I'm Solomon I'm Northup. Solomon. Of course, that's how you would answer. This is gnarly. He, um... This the the second guy yanks the chain on the wall and it forces Solomon to his to knees. His knees. Mm-hmm. And we are not quite worm's eye, but we're uh, basically on the floor. It's a low angle shot. It's important to establish this, I think. Yep, absolutely. It's a low angle shot because later what we see is every time we look at white people during this next couple of scenes, we're, we're shooting, looking up at them. We're looking up at them, yeah. and every time we see Platt or not Platt. Well, he, he okay. Look, he becomes he's, plat, he's called he's Platt not, for right. the rest of the movie, and it's going to be too hard for me to try and do the mental gymnastics. So I'm going to make him. I'm going to call him the Platt. Movie, the movie the turns movie him calls in, him yeah, Platt. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's interesting. Actually, it it creates a distinction between who he was Platt and who he and, is. Yeah, absolutely, that's cool. Uh, not, I mean, it's fucked up, but it's a cool way to do it. Yes. So they shoot when they shoot him. They shoot down. That camera, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's an old, it's not, it's not anything groundbreaking, it's not new, but, but it's really effective when it's here. used When it's used effectively, it's super, super effective. Yeah. So when, and I think it's important that they shoot this low to, well, one, to hide how they're doing the effect. Because mm-hmm. they are beating the shit out of it. It's insane. Okay. So he hits his hands and knees and we're shooting low from the ground past him and kind of like behind him near his left, left leg. Mm-hmm. There, the guy comes out with a fucking. It's a plank. It's like it's a, a. It's got holes drilled in it. It's yep. like um, think like um, like headmaster's paddle kind yep. of is the idea. Yep. Or the Greek paddle. But it's like three yep. feet long, and he starts beating. At this point, I'm gonna still say Solomon Northup. He right. starts beating Solomon on the back, hard. So now I, there's a bunch of ways you could do the effect, but it, it you don't see him at all. Nope. It looks. Like they just. Like he's beating the shit out of it him. It looks like they beat the shit yeah. out of him. He beats him with the paddle until the paddle shatters. It, it shatters. It explodes. And he keeps hitting him with the shattered paddle. Yes. And he's saying, he's beating him and basically it's saying, like, like you're your a name? slave. Right, yep. you're, yeah. Say you're it, from Georgia. And you know what? Here's the first time that McQueen. Because McQueen does long shots to do 
to accomplish a couple things. One, to force you to look at something that you don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. And then also, two, to show you, like, to tell six stories with one shot. Yeah. This is McQueen saying, don't you, don't, there, I'm not going to let you look away. Because nope. this happened often. And no one. This is not an isolated incident. When have here. you ever seen anything like this in never. a movie? Ever. I've nope. never seen anything the, like I mean, this. The Passion. The Passion of the Christ, yeah, but when you... There's something about couching it in biblical... Ooh, this is going to get uh, dicey. I know, that's fine, but like... There's something ca- about couching it in like a Bible story right. that makes it... That divorces you from it. Right. It's, I'm not saying The Passion of the Christ isn't like a super visceral... That movie's... There's bits of that movie where you look at the wall because yep. you don't want to watch it yeah. anymore. This movie, in a weird way, I can't look at the wall. No. There's something about the the immediacy and the the... The goal of of honesty, yeah. Here, I'm, ooh, yeah. This is. A, I don't want to say like Bible stories aren't real, you know. Like no, I got because certain people believe that, and I'm right. not gonna take that away right. from anybody. That that it was a same a similar thing going on for people that believe in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah. sure that there are people who had the same reaction yeah, here, absolutely. and and as far as like really, as far as like really really visceral visceral violence that isn't in any way glorified you're right the passion of the christ is a good example of something right. like this but i've never seen no anything like beside that this had a di- yeah this hit me in an emotional way that i've never encountered yep. before i've seen the movie three times before so i i've had this feeling before but it's still it, it never gets easier to watch this ever no. so it shatters the paddle and walks mm-hmm. away and we're like thank christ that's that's over. over thank god and we've been that that scene that's like 45 seconds mm-hmm. to a minute with that paddle it's not over. He comes back and now he has a whip. Yep. And he goes back at him. Just a beating. Oh God. It's a it's a beating like you've never seen. It's he whips. Until he finally. The, the actor whips Solomon. The actor who's playing the 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 bad guy. Right. Right. The <sighs> the bad guy. The kidnapper. The, the kidnapper. Mm-hmm. The kidnap. The actor who's playing the kidnapper whips Chiwetelle Ejiofor so long. He becomes. He gets physically he's, exhausted. He's you can't can, even like the actor himself is like. The, I can't fucking you, do this you anymore. Watch the, I am like. I'm. Do you, spent. I'm not positive that that wasn't the direction. Whip him until you until can't. You can't anymore. I'm. I'm sure that probably he's was. He's pouring when, sweat. So when do you want me to stop? When you. When yeah. You have he's to. like. When you have to stop. When stop. Have, yeah. But until then, keep going. And they never. This isn't like. And they do Fresh some cuts. Sweat. And they show you no, a new angle. They just, just stay on him. They would stay in that one. Until he is. Covered in sweat, can't breathe, can barely even stand up. You anymore. can see He's him struggle him so to pull yeah. his arm back to yeah. get the whip up. Yep. I'm not kidding. This scene lasts minutes. Mm-hmm. You're watching this for a long, long time. And, man, Chiwetel Ejiofor's performance right here, because there's a lot of really extreme high, highs and lows mm-hmm. of emotion in here. There's only one person in here who I don't think quite manages to to bring emotional honesty to it, but I have a note about that, which okay. is how could you possibly? Like the emotions that and the the situations that they're meant to be portraying and experiencing are so beyond the beyond our realm of understanding. Well, and for you and I, experienced like, it. Well, yeah, there are and there there are people who do this, but like it's important to remember that like Chiwetelia Four is an actor. Yes. He lives in Hollywood or wherever. Yeah, he yeah. wherever he lives, you know, like the and Lupita Nyong'o. These are they're all, they're all actors and they're mm-hmm. portraying things that they haven't experienced. Exactly. And the things they're portraying are it's not like well I've never 
you know, I've never been in love before. Like, how does love work? Or like, oh, I've never been a rock star before. How do I pretend to be a rock star? No, no. What they're going, what they're bringing us is so extreme that the one there's a, there's one time where it doesn't quite feel real. It feels like, like maybe someone's not quite getting there. Yeah. It's Eliza. Yep. I feel like Eliza doesn't quite get there. I know. And it's, but I, I absolutely, for me, I, just as you know, I'm not like Hollywood actor, but as an actor, right, yeah. I totally get it. Nope. I get it. They're You're doing what all she, you absolutely can. What she's going for yeah. is so intense and extreme. You know, if you miss the mark, that's totally, it's understandable. totally understandable. <laughs> Seriously, man. Like it's, I would be completely off that dartboard. Like, Oh yeah, I don't. I would, I'd be chucking darts all day, just like I can't even hit the wall. I don't know how you do. Like, I don't yeah. know how any of them. It's you know what, but that's why they're master. Exactly. That's why all of these the actors that we really laud in this movie are masterclass actors. Absolutely. Because they. How do you get there? I don't fucking have any idea. <laughs> no clue. But thank you so much for doing it yeah. and showing me that. It's. Yeah. I mean, god damn. So they leave for his performance. There's a couple times, uh, uh, Patsy. We hear it from Patsy too, but there's a raw like wheeze in their breath mm-hmm. Chiwetel Ejiofor does it here um, and uh, Lupita Nyong'o does it in the last whipping scene mm-hmm. where there's like a there's like a, a, a god damn it's like a like a wee like a wheezing whistle yeah in like their <laughs> deep in their throat like, yeah and it's the vocal control the vocal control in some of the performances of like anguish grief and pain in this yeah are beyond anything I've ever seen. Beyond anything I've ever seen. And again, props to the sound people for figuring out how to bring how to that, that to you. And to balance it all into the mix. And oh my God. It's it's really rough. So they leave. He's on the ground just, he's just decimated. Yep. And then what we get is that we see a brick wall. We, that we Now we've cut. We've cut mm-hmm. at this point and we're outside the uh, cell and we see a tiny window with bars and we hear him saying asking for help and we have a crane shot this is the only crane shot in the movie i'm pretty sure it pans up the wall pans up the wall and then breaks the roof yes and, and as you hear him washington dc you see the washington for help I, is that it's the it's white the house capital, yeah it's a capitol building being constructed or having work done on it yeah scaffolding all around it yeah so we america is being built when while this man is screaming for help when, after being beaten nearly to death in a basement yeah when we blocks from the capital, it's in, it's uh, th- this movie. I've, I've, wa- I've watched it through a bunch of times. This was either. a lot it's of like, like pause, pause, yep. pause. Also, it's a really small push up that wall too to the reveal of where he is. Yeah. They like, they crawl up that wall. He's begging for help. And you watch the country getting built in the background. Yeah. You watch, well, you watch the white house coming up in the yeah, background and you know seriously. what, you know, what's really horrible. I haven't watched this movie since 2016, maybe mm-hmm. 2015. Watching it now, you know who's in the White House now. Yeah, yeah. This is worse mm-hmm. now. This this movie always, every time I've ever watched it, resonates with the the world that we live in at the time that I watched it. Yeah. Now, maybe more than ever, it's fucked up, dude. It's that's right because when this came out, we had a the a black president we did this is 2013 yeah yeah we had a black president when this came out and then it was emotionally resonant for a different reason for, absolutely like, like look what we ha- look we where have we have done and look where we look are how now far we've come in right. a weird way it's like it it wasn't any less traumatic and, and painful we're in to watch. america and it's like 
Yeah. It's like, look how far we've come in 2013 and watching it in 2018. You're look, look how, how far, far we've, we've fallen. fallen. It's horrible. Yeah. God, this movie. Mm. Um, That's why I love fucking art and cinema. Yeah. Cause it, Cause it changes depending on the, where you, you are and when you are. It's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. And no one understands and that better tr- than and McQueen that, and Bobbitt because right. they pick the perspective. Oh. And it doesn't work with every film. It works with this because it is showing you something that is historical that actually happened and they're not adding an, their own opinion to it. Right. This, they're just showing you. There is definitely an opinion to this oh, movie. Oh, there is. And the opinion, of, okay, look, now we live in a weird world where this opinion isn't universal, which is stupid. Which is why we live in the bizarro fucking upside down right now. Right. But this movie's opinion is pretty, pretty firmly slavery was really bad mm-hmm and that shouldn't be an opinion really yeah I, I mean I mean uh, you know Brad Pitt <laughs> yeah. actually has a Brad Pitt has a bit about this in the end of the movie oh, he, he does, says universal he? truths are true for everyone yeah so you know like God it, it doesn't it that shouldn't be a statement where we're right. like you know like now there are some in America today who the believe that, uh-huh. yeah but no yeah this movie definitely has a standpoint and for a normal human being it's a standpoint where everyone can get behind and it's not a comfortable argument to watch because you know it's you're talking about slavery yeah you're talking about one of the most the one of an atrocity that still happens today yeah it's still there's still there slavery exists today yeah and oh man that's one of the other that's one of the other 2018 things is when you watch it we're it's maybe in a weird way that is one good thing that will come from 2018 is we're more aware of these issues. Yeah. It's harder for us to just gloss. Right. Things. We're kind of being forced to look at it. We're being forced to look at a lot of really uncomfortable things that uh, in a weird way, not, yeah, in a weird way, um, I think that liberals in particular, especially white liberals, now in 2018 are being forced to look at things that we were un inappropriately optimistic about yeah not too long ago mm-hmm. where we were like what are you talking about that's not re-, or like those that's just like there's only like a hundred crazy hillbillies who believe that and now you're like oh wait it's a whole yeah. cross-section of the population yeah i oh i hate to say it but in a weird way i think it's 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 been a monstrous horror but i think it was a necessary one and i think in some ways it's been good Mm-hmm. Because now we're we're not able to just be like weird, complacent, yeah, utopian, hippy dippy, yeah. happy fucks. Yeah, you got to get up off your asses and fight. Yeah, a little bit. I'm not saying like, but yeah. do that too. I don't care. Yeah. Like, we don't have to talk about. I know punching Nazis, but well, no, no, no. That's all. I ain't got a problem with it. Um, so the. The camera, there's another, oh God, it's a lot of the movie, well, a lot of what I love about the movie is the artistry of it. And so we cut back in, after we hear him calling for help, we see him sitting despondent in the corner and one of the kidnappers comes in to bring him food and a sh- new shirt. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that shirt you're wearing is tatters and rags. <laughs> That's a ho- shitty shirt you're wearing that I just destroyed off of your back from beating right. you so much. I think the other guy was the guy who whipped him. But oh, that's right, yeah. So he comes in and he's basically like, "Your shirt's all jacked up." And the shirt he was wearing is like a nice. Mm-hmm. He had like a nice expensive yeah, shirt. Yeah, on. it was his. And the his shirt show he brings shirt. him is like a sackcloth. Yeah. He's like, "Look, I brought you it's a new flower shirt. sack with that." Yeah. And he's like, "Here, put this shirt on." And Solomon stands up, and you, his shirt's like dirty, but it's still white. This is amazing. This is my. F- it's awful, but it's my favorite reveal in this movie. When he pulls his shirt up, you're like, his shirt doesn't look so bad. And when he gets it over his head, 
blood. Blood everywhere. You see blood and shredded. shredded. And that, again, is McQueen showing you the hidden... Yep, it's he's revealing, revealing it. All he does is he's like, there's stuff that you that America hasn't looked at and doesn't see. Because here's, you know, Solomon stands up. He he looks dirty and disheveled, but he's yep. not. There's nothing horrifying. It's and when he filled. pulls the shirt off, when he re, when he disrobes, when he reveals himself, you see that reveal of the shirt, mm-hmm. the blood and the this tatters. This is what you didn't want to see. And I'm going to slowly reveal it to you. And they do it again and again and again for two hours and mm-hmm. thirty minutes. It's a long movie. They, yes. All they again and again, they're like, "Hey, remember that thing you didn't want to look at? Here, check it mm-hmm. out. Look it, at this." But it never feels exploitative or, or cheap. No, or cheap. It's always or like rubbing your face in it, or it feels honest. It does, yeah, there's an, uh, there's an honesty to it. That, it feels honest mm-hmm. every time. Where they're like, it's and a lot of times because it's, it's not a trick. I feel like the movie because you sit there and you hurt and you squirm and you feel uncomfortable and you cry. But I feel like what the reason this movie works for me where others don't is this movie seems to cry with you. Mm-hmm. It's like it. This movie almost it's not like holding your hand and we'll get through this. But no, it's no, like no. it's sitting ne- it's sitting nearby and it it it's also not blaming you. No, it uh, it is. But it's not. This movie doesn't give anyone a pass. No, it does not. I think this. Yeah, I don't. It's. It's I don't know how. We'll see how we feel at the end. Yeah, fair enough. But one thing I like about the this movie is when it shows you these things, it's not. Look at this. Look at this. This movie also mourns what it's showing you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's. God. It's a really, really interesting. It's a really interesting film. So they, when they drag. This is the when they get them all. They get them all on the boat. And yep. they take them to New Orleans. There's a couple of other people have been kidnapped, mm-hmm. and they're going to be taken down to the south to become slaves. When they throw them on the boat, the we don't our our quote unquote establishing shot. We don't ever see the boat. No, we the, really don't. The quote unquote establishing shot is a sudden smash cut inside, like right next to the water wheel. Come on, dude. Yeah. Like just from a total cinematography point. You see that the water like pouring off the boards. Yeah. yeah. And you hear as it turns Amazing. the regularity of that 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 pounding insistent water wheel and then seeing the water splash and churn. It's if it's one of those shots. It's one of those beautiful shots where they look really close. They look so closely at something that for a little bit, you're not sure, sure what it is because yep. it's like, whoa, it's it's. It's like all it is is a water wheel, yeah. but it's sound and violence and motion, and you're like, oh, you're you're there, you're in it, and because the last thing you saw was like this kind of quiet moment, it's jarring, and it's really dark too. Yeah. The last thing we see is them being boarded onto a boat in the night, and then it's like full wah, daylight, wah, wah, and then wah, 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 pounding yeah. water. They crane up past the boards. This is I lied. There's a second crane shot. They crane up over the boards and show you the water behind, and you're like, oh, they're on a steamboat. Yep. And they're heading down, down river, down yep. river to the south. Um, they, yeah. So then we get. Is my dog sleeping? No, I don't know. Oh damn! What are you looking at? I don't know. <laughs> There's been spiders over there before, Carl. You can't scare me like Sorry. this. <laughs> um, so they get into the, they get down into the hold. He meets two other people who've been kidnapped and are being brought down to the south. Yeah, two two other free. Two other actually, one of them ends up being a slave. That's right. Yeah. 
he was just oh, he's a slave Ryan, who's been that's kidnapped. a hard thing to when, mm. you know what's really fucked up about that not I don't want to be profane on this episode for some reason but you know what's really horrible about that is you realize that that slave is from the north it's not like once you get up north, north there's no slaves no, at they, all. Exi- they existed there's, in the north as well. Yeah. We actually see that, too, um, when he and his wife go in to buy groceries. Oh, yeah. He's a free he's, he's a, free, a free black man in the north, and he's and, in grocery shopping and spending money. And a slave money. walks in. A slave comes in because sla- we see the slaves see him go in, see and he's like, in. what's this what, all well, about? How can that happen? How can he go in there? And he goes in to like see what's going on, and then... The that the slave's shot. master it's comes like, hey, in. He's like, "Get doing? out of here! Come right. on, let's go!" And you're like, "Yeah, that's right. There's slavery in the <laughs> north too. It existed everywhere." Like I, like I said, like a couple seconds ago, this movie doesn't let anyone off the hook. No, they're they're oh, like, "Oh, you're from New York? Great. Guess what? Slaves in New York too. Yeah. This isn't a North South thing. This is this a, is a this is a United States thing. Yeah. This is a human thing. Yeah. Exactly. So when they're down there, one of the one of the slaves, well, maybe a free man who's now going to be a slave. One of them's down there and he's like the guy, the guy who actually ends up being a slave from the north is like, you got to keep your head down. You don't right. tell anyone you, you shut read the fuck up. You, yep. you survive. And that's when we get the I don't want to survive. I, I want to live. live. But there's a, one of the, the slave who ends up um, getting stabbed in a bit. That metal head. Oh, the gag rig that they, they have, have on, on to keep him from talking. Yeah. This man, this is rough. The, there's a slave who has like a giant metal. Basically, it's like a bit or like a like a you know when you go to the dentist and they have the retractor yep. for your. They have like that in his mouth, but it's chained onto his head. It's like something from Saw. It's insane. Yeah, and I mean, come here. Mostly, what I remember from college is when because we did a whole. I think we did like a like three months, or I think we may have, may have done a whole semester just on slavery in this one American history class I had, and they show you like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, the collars with the huge yes. bars on them. A lot of the, it's like it's like looking through a props list from Saw. Yeah, it's, it's a oh. like from a the worst horror movie you've ever seen. Yeah, it's like a horror movie props catalog. Yep, is but is these are what we did to actual people. Yeah, humans. Right. That's what people that's what people did to people and people do to people. Yeah, it's still. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when they there's a shot where they unlock his head and they tip his head forward and all that drool pours <sighs> out of his mouth and then the way I'm sure they like rubberized it or something to protect his teeth but the way that the slaver pulls it off his head oh. you're like oh my god you just ripped fucked all his, his teeth, teeth up. Because he literally just grabs it and yanks, yanks it off it his out. head. Yeah. No regard for because he doesn't give a and shit. And it's like rusty steel. Yep. Oh, it's, I mean, it, uh, maybe iron, but whatever. It's really, oh. So then they talk about mutiny. And Solomon's like, I could probably take him. Yeah, he's like, I, I we could go for it. Because yeah. he doesn't want to survive. He doesn't want to survive. He, he wants, wants to live. live so he's, he's like, like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's fuck it. Let's do There's a couple times where he thinks about this and sees something so horrible that he falls back. Basically yep. falls back in line and waits to, to wait for a better opportunity. But this is one of them where that guy's like, we got to fight. And uh, this would be a good time to talk about it. This movie's interstitial shots. The like normally in a movie, it would just be B-roll. Right. It's like, look, the here's a, here's a forest yeah. and I'm giving you this shot so right. we can get to the next Close scene. Close up of a candle. 
Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. They'll they'll give you some like B-roll of like, look, a breeze blowing grass. Right. Any other movie. This movie, the interstitial shots serves a really unique purpose. They're they're always done purposefully and they're never easy shots. Right. It's never just like a guy like, I uh, shot a brick wall. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, our interstitial shot here is an underwater shot shooting into the water wheel from an angle that's like maybe slightly dutched. So you have no idea. Again, you're like, I know I'm underwater. I know I'm underwater, but all I see is like bubbles and violence. It's, oh, it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. And it, it, it stirs you up and confuses you and keeps you off kilter. So when you're thrown back into the scene, you're still kind of like, okay, oh, I got to grab something. Yep. Yeah. Once you see people, you're like, okay, we're we're in the movie again. We're in the movie again. It's really, it's effective. It's really, really effective. Um, so. Uh, one of the slavers comes down to rape the woman that they've been uh, transported with. Mm-hmm. And the guy who had the bit in his mouth goes to stop it. The slaver stabs him. Just completely. Yeah. He just, he just, doesn't even kill him. No, he doesn't. He, uh, he does die. Well, he dies. He just stabs him in the stomach yeah. and then like looks around and he's like, anyone else going to no? do anything? Good. Okay. I'm out. And he leaves. It's really, oh my God, dude. Because. Then he starts dying on the ground, and in a weird way, you realize that not like killing him immediately was psychological, no, psychologically like, effective. Yeah, it was a clear message to the rest of them. Like, yeah. if you're thinking about anything, watch this man die watch, that I just stabbed in the watch stomach. Watch this guy die. He just got stabbed in the guts. He's gonna be dying for a while. And I don't care. I don't care. I'll do it again. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going up. All right, bye. Up top side. Go ahead and watch that Let's happen do now. So much Fuck. for this movie because when you, yeah, so he stabs a guy. They're stuck downstairs watching him die for hours, and he's yeah, upstairs. That's going to do a lot to to take the wind out of your sails when you're thinking about that. They mutiny. do. None of them mutiny because they all. You can see it happen too. Yeah. You see, you see all of that just. It's just, there's a there's a bunch of times in this movie where you see a large group of. Usually, like from from this point on, everyone, most of the, almost all the black people we see are slaves. Yeah. Actually, I think everyone, yeah, from this point on, is all the black people from this yeah, point on are slaves. So. Um, because even uh, even the even Woodard's character is still a slave. Still she's a just slave. a well, right. she, but she's just a she, she's a favored slave. Right. She's Mis- the other. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Shaw. I think he does. He marry her anyway. Not important. Well, it is important, but later it's important. Right. But like, there's a. Many times in this movie where you see some horrific bit of violence, cruel, cold, casual violence done, and you see huge groups of people immediately cowed by it. Yes. And that is not the worst part, but almost. It's almost the worst part of watching this movie, where you just... You see people's spirit broken yeah. again and again and again and again, and you're just like, I, I don't know how many more times I can watch the fight go out of people. Yeah, so there's no fight left. It doesn't yeah. even rise again. Yeah, um, so broken to the point where there's no fight left. Yeah, so they get off the boat God from New Orleans, and the one guy we find his master is there. the The guy who was like, "You got to survive." Don't right, right. Ever tell anyone you can read and write? And, so, and it's Paul Giamatti is his master, right? No. Oh, it's the other, it's the other one. Guy. Right, right, the right, other right, guy right, shows right. up and he's like, he's, he's like, that's my, get off down there, cleave well, or whatever. Right. That, this like, is my property. Here's my papers. And, and the captain's like, oh like my God. And, he's, and the captain too, you can see it in his face. He's mm-hmm. like, he's like, shit. I don't know how this could have ever happened. Take him and go. Right. And he's, cause they wanted to sell that one. Into yeah. They went, they went up that north. That one. Jesus Christ. They, well, that's that. I know, but that's, that's the, that's the, 
That is the headspace of the captain. Yep. Absolutely. That's the headspace of all of well, the... Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, it's not me saying that's the captain. It's like, it just feel, that's so fucked but up. But it's weird. It's the, uh, do you remember when we... Okay, when we did Straw Dogs, the movie forces you into a, a very uncomfortable perspective. Mm-hmm. This movie does the same thing because yeah. you're absolutely right. The way that that captain thinks is like, well, I Damn, wanted to sell that one. I wanted to sell that one, but I guess I gotta cut it loose. Because his master's here now, and fuck. Well, he owns so many him. times. Do you? I mean, the well, especially when we get to Epps later, when we get right. to Michael Fassbender's character. By the way, we're both huge Michael Fassbender fans. Huge. But he is a fucking monster in this He's movie. He's a disgusting fucking fuck. Masterpiece performance, yep. but boy, you hate. To make me hate Michael Fassbender. Yeah, it's hard to hate Michael Fassbender, and <laughs> yeah. you, I've never, I don't think I've ever hated, there's very few people I've hated more than Michael Fassbender in, in this, this movie. movie. Yeah. Not his performance, his character, yeah. but his, because his performance is you unimpeachable. You really have to watch Schindler's List. God. The, the, the most hated. Don't make me do yeah, it. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's, you know what, why don't we do that? We'll do Schindler's <laughs> List next, next week. week. We'll do man. Hotel Rwanda the week <laughs> after. Let's just keep it rolling, Carl. Do you want me to kill myself? Dude, like, I'm. we might anyway. We have Shame and Hunger next. <laughs> oh, like, God those damn. are not happy films, Carl. All <laughs> right. We have February to look forward to. God. February, yeah. Blue Valentine month with all the depressing love movies <laughs> we picked. I'm looking forward to December. We're going to get yeah. action movie break. Fucking all right. Break. But anyway, I mean, so when there's so many times in this movie, especially when we get to Epps, where... They cease to be people entirely and mm-hmm. are entirely referred to as property. Yes, like one of the one of the ways Solomon's about to be killed later in the movie, and what saves him is, is the fact he's, that he's property. He doesn't belong to the people who who are killing him, and they're like, "If you kill him, do you have a receipt for that one? Because you can't do that unless you have yeah. a receipt for that." They're one. Like, like, "You'll be if you kill him, you're going to be responsible for the debt that Epps took." Yep. Because they're it's not no it's when Benedict Cumberbatch yep, exactly. is when it, when he is that's how he saves him. Solomon's yeah when when he's a, when Solomon's at Cumberbatch's place they're like we just paid a thousand dollars for for that piece of property there and if you're gonna kill that piece of property you it's, owe me a thousand dollars dude it's like talking yeah. about like where you're gonna shoot my cow that cow I just paid eight hundred dollars for that cow you not, got eight hundred dollars not even it's like a like a, a, a like a piece of a farm piece equipment of farm or something equipment, yeah. yeah they're like can you pay for that. You want to pay for that tractor? You, oh my God! It's literally the argument that saves his life is literally you break it, you buy it. And that no that and that's that is text that no, is I know. in the movie. Yep. Yeah. So now we're introduced. Okay, back to New Orleans. Sorry. God, this is a hard movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's good. It should, I think it should be. Hard it should to be talk hard about. to talk about. But when Solomon is sitting there, we see. I love there's something that McQueen does again and again where he shows people looking at something before he shows you what they're looking at. I love that. I love it too because he doesn't he he doesn't just show you. It kind of emotionally primes you for what, for you're, what about you're about to, to see, see. Mm-hmm. and it scares you too. Yeah, it like, makes what are you, they looking at? Don't you don't do want to look. Don't look. Don't show me because when you the, when Solomon's sitting in New Orleans, he has this despondent, like dejected, depressed look, where the reality of the situation is sinking in. And then we see what he's looking at, and he's looking at, he sees uh, two uh, two really young boys who have, and he sees the scarring on their back. They're facing away, they've got like chain collars on, and their backs are just chewed up. Chewed yeah. up. Um, then we see a guy whose neck and face are like horrifically burned, and then we see uh, another 
uh, I mean, we're in New Orleans, so I'm assuming mm. they're all slaves. But we see the the a third slave sitting there, looking in exactly the same way that Solomon just looked, but he's missing a hand. Yeah, she's looking around at the, like the damage wrought on these people and the toll of the life that he's just been forced into. Yeah, this is what you have. It's scary. This it's, is the life you have. To, not life. This is the existence you have to look forward to. Yeah, this is this is the world you've been placed in now. It's really, and it's, it, it's, uh, you know, like the, you know, the tension you feel when, I mean, we were just talking about it for the totally different film that has no contextual bearing on this one, right. but that, that moment of anxiety and tension where you're like, you want to stop the movie and yeah. make it go a different way. Yes, 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 yes. That's here. You're like, no, 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 no. Keep, please don't. I, and you I'm, know, what's going to happen. Exactly. I've seen the movie a bunch of times. There's <laughs> right. no way that I I even I like I know I'm like well we're about to see Paul Giamatti and when you watch for the movie or watch for the podcast when Paul Giamatti shows up I remember his character I always remember his character because of how he manhandles people yeah he is his performance is so physical yeah he's touching people by the face just like the way he teeth opens people's mouths oh my god um when he look Paul here's another one Paul Giamatti is a scumbag in this movie he's a total monster disgusting he's a he's a morally reprehensible like monster character he's a slaver. He, he's the one that sells the, the auction, slaves. Yeah, he's like the, an auctioneer, auctioneer. kind of. God damn it. They don't, and I, you know what I really appreciated? They don't do, like, we've all, I mean, we've all seen, there's a Key, Key and Peele skit about it, which is the right. slave auction block where they put them up on, like, a big, on a big, basically, like, a plank. Yeah. And they stand them up for a crowd, and the crowd says, 200 and 400, and they bid on them. Right. McQueen doesn't do that. No, they're in a. They put, they go to Paul Giamatti's house. Yep. And they're arranged around in different rooms. Like in groupings. And people are... These are your entertainers. These are your field workers. These are your young... Yeah, and he... Paul Giamatti is walking around like a... You know what House of Lloyd is? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, never mind then. This will be too long to explain. But he's like a host at a party. Um, You know what a Tupperware party is? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's like a Tupperware party. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Kind of. (laughs) So he's walking around like he walks past people and he goes, have you tried the refreshments to get yourself a glass of wine? It's It's like a house. You're hosting the, you're going to have people over to to show them the pyramid scheme. Yeah, Yeah. but, but the way that they're arranged around the house, they're like, it's like. Oh, that's a lovely chair. And now $400 for that chair. You look at the stitching. You've never seen stitching like this before. Have another glass of wine. Mm-hmm. He takes us away from, because there's a familiar slave narrative that I'm sure we're all aware of, which is the auction block. Yes. The scene, the horrific scene of people standing in a row. And, and bidding money on the slave. And they, they do it in, um, oh my God. The one they're picking the fighters in... Um, Django? Django. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this movie, they move the they move the selling of human beings into a domestic space. Mm-hmm. And it it's makes not it not on the street. They're not up on a mm-mm. Yeah. It they move it into like a refined domestic space and it makes it so much worse. It's horrible. Because they I mean it makes it more property. Like it's it's the the I think part of it is the dissonance of what you're yeah, seeing because yeah. when you see a screaming rabble and, and it's a, a dirty street, a, a dirty and street yeah. and a dirty board, you, there's horror. You're in a horror movie setting, so the horror that you're seeing fits with the right. setting you're in. This is so. This is a horror movie 
This is like this mm. is this is a horrific thing You're we're seeing. You're in the seeing rich man's house. In like a calm yeah. domestic sphere. There's such With there's appetizers being served. God, it doesn't it doesn't make sense at all. No. What you're seeing, you're like, "Wait, wait, no, no, no. This is the wrong setting for this." It's an awesome choice. Take it take it in take something horrible and traumatizing and put it in a calming regal austere setting. Oh, oh dude, the the clash is incredible. And Watching Giamatti handle the slaves that he's selling. Not slaves yet, technically free men. Right. <laughs> One of them, yeah. a couple of them are free. Jesus. But yeah, the the way he have you ever seen like in old westerns, the way that people slap their horse. Yeah. He slaps he, these people like, like that. Like animals. Like yeah. when he walks over to that one guy and he's like he like slaps his chest like look at that meat. Yeah, how, look at the yep how it, firm how tight the muscles and he are. slaps him yep. hard he's like look at the muscles on this one slap 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 and then he walks over here and he's like touching people's chins he's, and there's he gets to that one guy and he's like open your mouth and the guy opens his mouth and he slaps Sticks him his, anyway yeah, yeah, and he yeah, goes yeah. wider and then he tips his head back and he goes look in there never been sick a day in his life bam slaps him in the chest he he handles them as though they weren't alive no he, have you ever watched a butcher working fast? Oh, God, yeah. When you slap the steak down? Yep, that's what he's doing. He handles them like meat. And he's, again, we, we're both Paul Giamatti fans. Yes. This is a good performance. Mm-hmm. This is a really, this is a really interesting, like, he, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can be the, like, well, I'm Ivan. <laughs> right, be all creepy and weird Yeah, you can be it. creepy and weird. But no, he's got this jovial sort of nature about him. He's happy to it's have. all business. All business, but he's. But he's yeah, a, he's the host of the party, and what's weird is he—you don't get the sense. There's a lot of the bad guy, the, a lot of bad guys. I, I know, but it's so easy to make it into good guys and bad guys. But a lot of the really reprehensible characters in here in this movie, you get the sense that they truly do not understand or believe that they are reprehensible. No, he's. Like if okay, if what he was selling was which means antiques, that they believe that they are less than human. Yeah, and the actors managed to the the white actors who play those roles managed to portray that really really well. Which, oh my god, I almost just cried. I know. <laughs> Hold on, it's okay. The the fact that they're able the the perform I deeply respect those performances mm-hmm. because in a movie like this, that role cannot be easy to play. No, not at all. As an actor. A lot of times when I watch a movie, I put myself in that actor's shoes. Like, how would I get there? How would sure. I, do no? F- and and admiring and it, every time I watch a movie, especially movies like like this, not necessarily with that content, but where you have masterful performances, yeah. there's so much. Re- I have so much respect for actors doing the hard thing and, and selling it. Well, the, and, and actors who can who can take any anything and elevate it to. Have you ever seen? Um, I think it's called All the Little Children. It's yeah. a pedophile. Yeah. I respect the fuck out of that performance because it's flawless. And yet that is something who that's a dangerous thing to portray. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, I don't know, like watching Paul Giamatti do this, Paul Giamatti manages. If he were like, I was just about to say, if he were selling antiques, he would be a great salesman. Yeah. Like he's, I will buy a hutch off him. He's any day. affable. Yep. He's jovial. I can't he, believe I just spent $700 on a coffee table. Right. He, like that kind of, he drives off, he drives a hard bargain, but he has a weird, 
this is where we're introduced to Benedict Cumberbatch and watching the two of them together really it it kind of adds a contrast to Paul Giamatti's performance that allows you to see nuances of him that you didn't see before. Benedict Cumberbatch is he is a slave owner. But he does, and he is—he does have a weird callousness to him. But he does seem to care he, more, he, more than the other slave owners or, or right. white people that we see in this movie. Yeah. So the only—the uh, only good white pe- there's Brad two: Pitt. Brad Pitt and Parker, Mister Parker, and twenty-five percent uh, of Benedict Cumberbatch. Forty percent, maybe forty. Cumberbatch is a pretty. He's oh, a good in, slave owner. In the context of yeah, this movie, in the we're doing the we're straw doing dogs the straw again. Dog but in the context of this movie, Benedict Cumberbatch, I would say, is a good guy, a good-ish guy. Right. God, it's better than the others. Better than the others. Um, it's like saying it's a less smelly pile of dog shit. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he takes up arms against a white guy who wants to kill this is true. Solomon, yeah. which is you don't see anyone stand up for slaves other than him in this movie. That's true. But when when we first in, are introduced to Benedict Cumberbatch, by the way, really quick because we haven't I don't think we've seen anything with him in it yet. Not for the show, no. No. We haven't. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I mean, I've got a He's a good yeah, he's, he's a, a really good I put Benedict Cumberbatch and and He's in the in the camp with with the rest of the heavies, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 